Welcome to the podcast. My name is Sharif Ali. This is the first of a series of episodes where I'm going to drill down a little bit deeper into Bitcoin, some of the pros, some of the cons, some of the questions that people have not been asking that I think need to be asked. And we're going to get into a lot of detail here, but I hope it's accessible to the majority of the community. If you have any questions, please go to my website, pointbyte.com. I'm going to be summarizing all of these discussions in a few blog posts. Feel free to leave your comments and get in touch. All right, so the goal of episode number one is going to be to set some rules of engagement. I really want to discuss my objectives, my goals, what I'm hoping to achieve with these series of uh, podcast episodes, because I think it might help set the context for what's to come and how I want this conversation to take place, because I do think it's extremely important that it become a conversation. You know, one of the challenges that the Bitcoin community has been struggling with, in my opinion, is that we tend to drown each other out, right? So people have very strong and passionate opinions, almost to the point of, you know, I would almost call it religious in nature. I mean, people have so much faith in the future of a particular technology or so much doubt in the future of a particular technology. And they're not always able to articulate the details of the reasons and the details of why they hold those points of view. It's a lot of slogans. It's a lot of go watch this video, go listen to that person. But do they really understand exactly what it is that they're talking about? And I'm not really sure that people have spent the time to understand not only the details of the technology, but the details of the economics and the politics and the implications of some of that technology. And I think we need to ask some of those questions. And the reason why is because the answers aren't obvious. And generally speaking, they're not binary either. There are rarely scenarios in which answers are either right or wrong, true or false. It's almost always somewhere in between in the gray. Life is in the gray. And if we're not honest enough about our positions to recognize that we might be wrong and we're not willing to state up front the conditions, the criteria for us admitting and acknowledging that we've been wrong, we're not being intellectually honest. So let me start there. And in my attempt to be intellectually honest, I'm going to state very clearly what the conditions and the criteria are for me to reverse my opinion on Bitcoin. And I think that's really important because one of the things that um, I've concluded uh, many years ago is that there really is no such thing as an open-minded person. Um, we, everyone likes to think they're open-minded. Everybody likes to think uh, they're evidence-based. But, you know, in reality, that doesn't exist. I mean, people are either uh, closed-minded or uh, the closed-minded and self-aware enough to recognize where they have biases. And the benefit of at least having the self-awareness is you can attempt to compensate for those biases. So you can't get rid of them. But if you know they exist, you can deliberately go out of your way to engage with people that you know disagree with you. It might be difficult to hear points of view uh, that you don't agree with, but suck it up, listen, pay attention, maybe disproportionately so, because you know that you have that extra barrier, that extra obstacle that needs to be overcome. 
pay more attention to the people who disagree with you than the people who do. And that's the honest way to determine whether or not what you believe is valid, right? You've got to challenge them and challenge yourself. So, you know, I'm going to state up front my bias and I'm going to state my, uh, my conditions for reversing my opinion. And that really is going to be uh, the first episode of this series, right? So uh, my bias up front is I'm very skeptical about Bitcoin. Um, I have been aware and following this community for um, more than 10 years. So since it was brand new, you know, I had a blog long, long, long time ago, and I used to write quite a bit about, you know, the Federal Reserve and, you know, gold and money and, you know, all those things. And it was just, a, you know, for fun. Uh, but eventually, when Bitcoin was released sometime in, you know, 2009, maybe early 2010, I don't remember exactly when, but somebody from that community reached out to me and sent a message and said, hey, you know, you should take a look at this Bitcoin thing. It might be of interest to you. And I'm sure it was purely just based on the content of my blog you know, a little bit more, you know, libertarian leaning. And I did take a look at Bitcoin and I downloaded the mining software and I played around with it for a couple of days. And I, I did think it was actually a very interesting project. Now, I didn't know where it was going to go. And I left the Bitcoin miner on my machine for maybe a day, um, but it didn't uh, create any Bitcoins. And so, you know, I ended up removing the program because I wasn't sure if it was some kind of a virus or a Trojan horse, you know, malware of some kind. Um, all I knew is that it was this software running on my machine all the time, consuming power and consuming resources. And, you know, I didn't know exactly what it was doing. All I saw was, you know, the description of what people said it was doing, which, you know, anybody who writes code knows that what the code does and what you describe uh, the, the code as, as doing aren't always the same. So, uh, I, I ended up getting rid of it. So I didn't actually collect any Bitcoin back 10 years ago, but I've been following the market ever since and, you know, paying very close attention to the evolution of the technology, of the politics, you know, and, and also with the context of, you know, back in those days, um, you know, I was very much into kind of the precious metals and the gold and the silver and all of that uh, because of the financial crisis, the Great Recession in 2008, 2009. And there was a time when, it looked like the world was coming to an end. I mean, we didn't know. It's, it's a little bit silly now looking back at that time period and thinking with the history of the last 10 years, how the stock market has performed and the economy has you know, somewhat rebounded, you know, COVID notwithstanding, that back in those days, it was, it was really serious. And it felt like there was going to be you know, some sort of a, a massive reckoning of this financial system that has been corrupted by inflation and and corrupted by, you know, old models that put too much power in the hands of people to make decisions. And, okay, gold was a way to take the power out of those people's hands. And so, you know, I was, you know, very excited about that prospect and that possibility. And in the last 10 years, what I've seen is, hey, these people running these financial institutions, you know, I should have given them more credit. I mean, they're better at what they do than what I thought. And you know, gold hasn't really gone anywhere, partly because it's, you know, some old legacy of a of a of an older era that, you know, may no longer be relevant. Uh, but you know, the reason why I share that story is because I, I remember going through this same hype cycle that the Bitcoin people are going through today. Right. So it it feels familiar to me. I feel empathy towards the people who are looking at the current model and saying, you know, the current monetary model and financial system and saying it's broken and we need a solution. And I think I found the answer. And I think this is going to be 
you know, how the world needs to proceed in order for all of these issues to be resolved and being really excited about um, coming to that conclusion and placing some financial bets on that thing occurring and then having it not happen, you know, and, and I've seen, I've seen that and I felt that and, and there appears, at least from my perspective, to be a lot of similarities in what occurred with the precious metal market, you know, two, 10 years ago during the Great Recession and the Bitcoin market today, it feels very familiar. And so that's my bias. So I'm going into this with that as a background. Um, and then, you know, with that um, stated clearly out on the table, he, here is my view of Bitcoin and here, is, here are the conditions for me to change my view. My, my view is that Bitcoin, uh, let's, let's talk about blockchain. Blockchain as a technology is something very, very interesting. It, it is something new. It is something revolutionary in terms of the ability to create these distributed databases where the nodes don't need to trust each other. What's not clear to me is why we need it. What's not clear to me is what is the value and the benefit of it. Um, clearly, Bitcoin is the first and greatest uh, use case uh, for this new model. But even with Bitcoin, I'm not convinced yet that Bitcoin is a viable model. I'm not convinced that currency in a cryptocurrency format is something that's sustainable in the long run. And, you know, the purpose of this series of episodes is to walk through the reasons why um, I feel that way. So I'll try to explain myself very, very clearly. But here are the conditions for me to change my mind. Number one, and I think this is a pretty obvious one. Um, and it sounds very simple and straightforward, but um, we'll see if anyone's able to actually convince me uh, that we've achieved number one. I would like to see a use for Bitcoin that goes beyond the price speculation. Um, and that use needs to be at least two times better than what it's replacing. Now, I understand measuring two times better is going to be difficult. That's a very subjective thing. It's hard to quantitatively uh, describe two times better. So with that aside, it needs to be significantly better, right? That's the point, not whether it's 1.9 times better or 2.1 times better. It's significantly better, not a, an, a marginal iterative improvement over a current model or a current use. It must be significantly better because we don't replace incumbents with moderate improvements, right? Incumbents need to be rendered obsolete by a completely new paradigm shift. And if the change that Bitcoin presents is not at that scale, I don't see how it's gonna succeed. So number one is I would like to see a use for Bitcoin beyond price speculation, right? So not including gambling or making money just by buying and selling uh, Bitcoin, um, but something else. So an actual use in the real economy that is subjectively two times better than what it's replacing. So that's condition number one. Condition number two, the use that it's replacing must be sufficiently significant to justify the amount of investment in Bitcoin, right? So it's not enough to say, hey, there's this one fringe corner of the world where Bitcoin is significantly superior than the traditional, traditional way in which people engage in that activity. Um, but it's so tiny that it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't justify the massive investment, whether it's the people who are buying Bitcoin and holding it, right? So the savings or people who are spending money on the nodes and the miners, um, investing in the creation of wallets, you know, so many different companies being 
you know, funded by Silicon Valley, creating these different apps, exchanges. And, you know, the big one, I think, really beyond all of that is all the energy consumption. I mean, it's not just the money that's being spent consuming all of this energy, but you know, there's the climate impact, there's the environmental impact, the negative externalities of the Bitcoin environment. There are a lot of costs, right? This stuff isn't free. It's pretty simple for somebody to go and download the Robinhood app, put a couple thousand bucks in their account and go buy some Bitcoin, and it feels free. The reality is it's not free. There's a tremendous amount of resources in the world that have been allocated towards you know, blockchain and Bitcoin in particular. And there needs to be a return on that investment. So there needs to be something that justifies all of the money and the resources that are being consumed to create this new market. So number one, I want to see a use beyond gambling, beyond price speculation that's subjectively two times better. So significantly better than what it's replacing. And two, what it is replacing needs to be, uh, you know, an important enough use case uh, to justify the amount of investment. So those are my conditions. If somebody can present me with answers to those two questions, I'm happy to reconsider my position. But until then, you know, let's just summarize by saying, in order for this exchange of ideas to be fruitful, um, you know, we need some ground rules, right? And the ground rule is we need to base our discussion in reality. It is, it is really difficult, and I know it sounds crazy to have to say this out loud, but it is often difficult to separate how you want the world to be from how the world really is. And it isn't enough for this discussion, if the objective is to actually change somebody's mind, to simply state a vision of what the world could be if there's no practical route for us to go from where we are to where you want that to be. That's just a fantasy. And that's great. You know, I think all projects and products and companies and, you know, these types of movements should have a vision. They should have a goal. They should have something that they're aspiring to. But there also needs to be realism. There need to be steps that have to be taken in order to achieve that vision. And if we can't articulate those steps or the reason why each of those individual steps is practical, realistic, probable, um, you can't achieve that vision. So it's important that we separate you know, what we wish the world to be from what the world is. That requires and that will provide us with a common baseline and a framework and a shared understanding of reality and the difference between reality and fantasy. So, you know, let's state those as the ground rules. I think that's fair. Uh, please stay tuned for the next episode um, and the next series of episodes where I walk through kind of my point of view and where I think we're headed. Thank you.